talked about it yesterday, just that chip on your shoulder. Everyone talking about a neutral AFC championship game, not even thinking about you guys. How much did that motivate you coming into this? You better send those refunds. <laughs> I'm from the city where they got to play us. Fuck a coin flip, it's time to pay up. Don't cross the middle, 21 in the cut. We ain't hiding from nobody, run and tell them it's up. I'm from the city where they gotta play us. Fuck a coin flip, it's time to pay up. Don't cross the middle, 21 in the cut. We ain't hiding from nobody, run and tell them it's up. Bag of bad champs, kings of the north with it. Thinking they can hang with us, still ain't jumped out the porch with it. Long bomb to chase every Sunday, watching go and get it. Double up on him, then we gon' double down on T. Higgins. Then throw Boyd in the mix, now you really iffy. Every Sunday, showing boys how they really gritty. They try to shuffle up the game on us, but they ain't icky. Flip the coin, kick the toe, ride to the go and get it. Never know what's gon' happen when Joe drop back. He gets shiesty in the pocket, I get shiesty on the track. Nobody on the team, all pro, that's all cap. Most all around team in the NFL, that's all facts. And came across nobody yet, it seemed like they can hang with us. They said we couldn't be Buffalo, but see how we call they bluff. Underdogs every week, they keep on trying to label us. Put your money on us, even if Vegas don't favor us. No matter what, we really came up now, it's hard to fail. I dare you come across that middle, Von gon' ring your bell. I know we under they skin, them boys built frail. Eli Apple out there chirping like a next tail. You don't want Sam and Trey to come off them ends. Rita clogging up the middle like a big body bend. Right behind them, Logan and Pratt, the turnover twins. Jesse base in the backfield just to clean up the loose ends. We just drafted Cam and drafted Hill. Instant gratification every time that they on the field We can't go back to what we was cause that's the losing weight It's been hard to throw on us since we picked up a woozy eight. It's like win after win, feel like we can really do it Zach Taylor doing the same for the city, I give it to him And I bet Samaji will find a hole if you give it to him Hayden Hurst don't need a hole, he just plan on running through him Just hand it off to 28 and let him do the dash Getting hit by BJ Hill probably feel like a car crash Every week it seem like Lou digging deeper in his bag And if the game on the line, all my faith and money match I'm from the city where they gotta play us Fuck a coin flip, it's time to pay up. Don't cross the middle, 21 in the cut. We ain't hiding from nobody, run and tell them it's up. I'm from the city where they gotta play us. Fuck a coin flip, it's time to pay up. Don't cross the middle, 21 in the cut. We ain't hiding from nobody, run and tell them it's up. That's right, they gotta play us. What's going on, y'all? Welcome to the show. This is Sports with Strawberry Ice. I'm your host, the Iceman, Jeff Trenopol. And as always, I bring you sports from a west side point of view right here in the great city of Cincinnati, Ohio, home of the back-to-back AFC North champion Cincinnati Bengals. Now, do me a favor. If you found the show, hit that like and subscribe button. Smash that thumbs up. You guys are awesome. I love the 2,327 subscribers. As Gitlow said in the comments, hit the subscribe. We're trying to get to a 10... 10,000 by the end of the week. So, you know, tell your friends, say your names, let's subscribe to the show. <laughs> anyway, uh, to be fair, so if you're watching on Facebook or Twitter and you have yet to subscribe to my channel, why not? Please do so. Please go to the YouTube channel, Sports with Strawberry Ice. Hit the subscription button at the bell for the notification. Every time I go live, you'll be notified. Also, exclusively in the YouTube chat crew, we're doing super chat. So if you got a question you want to ask, Pancake Parker Blake, which I, I, I'm taking credit, I gave him that nickname. But anyway. <laughs> Yeah, give me a super chat. He's he's got a great follow on Twitter. He's got a new thing he's doing with uh, Chatterbox Sports. We'll get to that here. But anyway, super chat for 
Parker, super chat for me. One, two, I would greatly appreciate it. And as always, I'm coming to you live from the Ice Cave. The Ice Cave is brought to you by T Properties. T Properties, quality housing for quality people. Check out the website at www.tpropertiesllc.com for all your rental property management needs and your rental needs. And you know what? Or every day, I was wearing it on the bridge today, but I got a hat, different hat on today, or different Jackpot Joey hat on. Uh, we got the hats, we got the banners, we got the shirts, all at jackpotjoey9.com. We got the beards at Brick Brewery. Uh, portions of the proceeds for all of this goes to the Joe Burrow Foundation and a Joe Burrow Hunger Relief Fund. So I got to apologize. My my bad, guys. What, all right, Parker lives out in Utah. So he's like, the only thing I can do is like 7 o'clock your time. I said, okay, cool. We'll go at 7 o'clock. Well, I'm sitting there making the show up real quick because I'm, I'm at Bengals practice and everything, and I didn't even pay attention that I said 5.30 on the schedule. So my my bad. that Because <laughs> everybody's like, I'm sitting there cooking dinner with my wife and everything, and Chop calls me. He goes, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, why? What's what's going on? He goes, well, you're not on your show. I'm like, yeah, no, I'm doing it at seven. I'm like, well, YouTube says you're doing it right now. I'm like, oh, crap. <laughs> so I had to go on there and, and tell everybody, like, oh, my bad. I, I messed up. I fault. Anyway, I'm glad you guys are here right now. Let's get to the reason we're here. We're going to talk some offensive line here, the big uglies with Pancake Parker. What's up, Pancake? How's it going, man? I appreciate you bumping it back. You know, and I apologize to everybody. It's my fault. It's my Don't fault. blame Jeff. It's my fault. You know, got to ruffle up the schedule a little bit, keep you on your toes. And that's why it's worth, you know, getting 10,000 subscribers. Tell your friends, tell your friends, friends, tell your friends, family, you know, everybody's exactly. got to come. Exactly. Tell everybody. Exactly. So anyway, let's, let's get into this thing here. All right. So uh, we, I always come to you, uh, Bengals and Brewers, you're on with them Saturday. We always come to you for our, our offensive uh, line knowledge. And um, Jonah Williams, I mean, you and me have said this from the get-go. He's going to move to right tackle and be fine. He took, uh, what, 11 snaps, uh, I think you said? Yeah, uh, off yeah, down there, yeah. yes, sir. Um, how's he looking at right tackle? I mean, I think he looks pretty good. What, what's your thoughts? Yeah, no, I, th I think there, there can be like a misconception where people are get all excited and they want to see him, you know, like jump off the screen and, you know, do all this awesome stuff because it's the preseason. But you got to remember, I mean, this is really just his debut at tackle. The re only reason he got just the limited snaps he got was knock that rust off, get used to the live game reps at the new spot, and just, you know, see how everything is going. And honestly, I think he looked fine. Like, I think he didn't do anything crazy. He had a couple, you know, plays he probably could have done a little better. But I think overall he really just looked like it's a smooth transition. He looks very similar to the Jonah that, you know, we saw last year left tackle. You know, take that for what you will. I know people don't want to hear that. But I think – the transition's very smooth, and the fact that there hasn't really been a crazy drop-off is awesome for him. Exactly. And, Parker, this could be one of the best offense lines we've had since 2015. I mean, just let, let's talk about my boy Zeus, just getting him on this line. What, what big of an impact or how much of an impact is, is Orlando Brown going to have on this line uh, being a steady force at left tackle? Yeah, no, I, I'm really – I think – there's a lot to be excited about, obviously. I mean, he was like the top free agent last season, and we somehow ended up getting him for a steal. And then I was just listening to uh, Pollock talk to Lapham on his show, and you know, he was just talking about how he was such a leader. And mm -hmm. it's not really just a leader in that old line room, but he's a leader just the whole locker room. People just gravitate towards him. And not only does he have that personality, but he just comes on the field, and he can dominate. He can really just take over a game from that left tackle spot and neutralize threats. And I just – I am I can't wait to watch him play this year. I think he's really going to be an upgrade just – purely from a profile standpoint where he just looks like a left tackle. Like when you see that guy and you've seen him in person already, like when you see that guy out there, he just looks like a guy you want a left tackle. He's, he's, he's about 
this much taller than me. <laughs> He's freaking <laughs> ginormous, man. Uh, but the, the cool thing, too, that I like that Orlando said, he said it last week that, you know, he hasn't played an actual game for us in Cincinnati yet. I mean, a real legit game. But he's already said he loves the city. He wants to stay here the rest of his career. He can't wait to see how off uh, the chain this city is going to be during a big, deep playoff run. That stuff is just cool. And that just it shows that he really likes us and really cares and really wants to do really well. I just find it very just surprising because he hasn't been here that long how much he likes the city already yeah no i mean and you can tell that it's just that's what we talk about all the time you know we say it's the joe burrow effect but you know just the way that this city's just embraced you know the team and the players and just the culture that's spreading throughout the entire fan base and i think i mean you can almost feel it you know and i can't even imagine like i was in cincinnati for a week you know last season i like the whole time we were there it was just like holy crap like the Bengals play here like this is like the home of the Bengals. And like, it just, it feels different. That's one of the benefits I think of being, you know, a smaller market team is that we, it's almost like a closer feel. Right. And that goes to the players, fan to fan, player to player, you know, staff to players. Like it's just, everybody just feels tighter. And that's why I think people like playing in Cincinnati and moving forward. That's why this has become a destination for these bigger players. And that's why they're willing to take these deals and why we have players willing to take pay cuts and, you know, whether that's Orlando Brown, whether that's mixing, you know, all these players just want to be here. And it's like, we haven't even won a Super Bowl yet. Not and yet. People just, and people just want to be here. I mean, you got one loading soon, but we haven't, we don't have like the history of success and we're just drawing players because they just want to be a part of this culture. And one thing that I've noticed just compared to the two major, I don't say major, two of the, our longest professional teams, because we got the Cyclones and we got the FC2, but the Reds and the Bengals. You can get, the, as fans, we can get so much access to the players. It's ridiculous. Yeah. The Reds, you're lucky if they walk over, you know, during batting practice or talk to you. I mean, the Bengals players, you can literally walk down to practice like I do every day, and they're walking out, and you can talk to them. I mean, and they're most of them pretty, pretty nice about it. I mean, they don't want to get bugged the crap out of them about getting signed autographs or anything. But, I mean, they're really cool. And that I always find that just really cool. And Katie Blackburn and Troy and all them are, are – or like that because I met her at the uh, pro shop last year just happened to walk around she was there and they were you know just normal people you know and you don't normally see an owner of an NFL franchise just walking around where you can just say hi to them and I, I just I always think that that's always kind of cool yeah. like that no it's crazy because it's like I think if I was the fan of your team you know I just I wouldn't even have any like anticipation that I could get anything signed by any player at any time but it's like I really feel like even if I if, if I can't make it out there, I feel like I could ship something out there and I could get it signed, you know, almost like 100% of the time. Like there's right, no exactly. no doubt that they're going to be at some event or even if it's a practice or pregame or whatever it may be. Like they're just so willing to give back to these fans. I mean, we talked about like that back together weekend. Like that was like the amount of stuff that came out of there. And even after these practices, Orlando Brown signing stuff in the rain, like just they just don't care. They just they, it, And that's part of just the energy and the culture that this team now has surrounding them is they just want to be – around the fans the fans love the players obviously and the players can feel that i think that's so important exactly <clears throat> excuse me now let's get the question here jeremy has said uh mixing or more of a statement i guess Mixon had nothing but praise for volson says he thinks he's a future hall of fame what's your thoughts of cordell volson I, I mean i think he's been an absolute freaking steal uh 
I, was it sixth round we got him? Is that that was the pick for Volson? Fourth round, fourth, fourth round. round. Okay, fourth yes, round. Sir. Still, either way, yeah. he, he's he's been a legit, Agreed. just absolutely st- a steal for for you know basically pretty much a plug and play guard, which is what we thought and hoped Jackson Carmen would do. Cordell Volson has been that and more. Yeah, we talk about like the young guys they brought in this year and how they're already like they look like they could be contributors if we didn't have you know Jamar Chase, T Higgins, like that we could have some legit talent out of these later rounds. And I think Volson, you know. Being an FCS kid coming out of North Dakota State, being a fourth round pick, late, late fourth round pick, not to mention, you know, because the, the success they had, you know, going into that draft. And then really just being that late fourth round guy that comes in as an instant, instant contributor, showed great improvement from honestly his last game in college to his first game for the Bengals. Like, I just think he's, 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 he's awesome. You know, it's, it's great finding these like mid round, late round guys that just come in, they're instant impact guys. Now, Everyone, they see the ceiling, the players around him like him. I mean, everyone in that building talks about he was just a worker. He's just a, he's just a grinder. He's, he loves football and he loves the work that comes with it. And that's why he's got one of the lowest, you know, body fat percentages in that O-line room. He's still pushing 330, but he looks great doing it. And he just, he's got, he's going to have a long career in Cincinnati. And I feel good saying that. And I feel like that's a really good plus for this team getting the guy that, you know, he's an older rookie, but he's still a rookie. He was still a rookie last year, only his second year in the league. And I feel like he's got a long career ahead of him. That's always, you know, positive to feel. Exactly. And Teddy K loves him. And that, that's one thing him. that I would say about this offensive line this year. I still, I'll put it this way. First of all, I hope they at least get one series in this game against Washington. I don't know if they're going to or not, but I'm not as worried about it. I really wasn't worried about last year, but after what I saw happen, I'm like, oh, crap. You know, hindsight, maybe they should have played. But I'm not as worried about it because of that interior line. They're the same three guys that were there last year. And Jonah's just flipping from right to left. He got, he got uh, Orlando on, on the, the left side. What's your what's your thought process as far as, as the, three, the three main guys right in the center? I mean, and this one thing I've said is I think we're not necessarily going to run the ball more but I think we have a chance of running the ball more efficient because those guys have got a year under their belt. Yeah, and I, I think retaining those three is such a big thing because, I mean, honestly, you know, a lot of the time your tackles are usually working on an island, even in the run game, but especially the pass game. They're not really getting that help. They're not really coordinating with the interior consistently. You're usually just, you know, working together on the inside and passing off those stunts and really trying to communicate and work through all those situations in the run game or the pass game. And I think retaining that unit and at least having a couple more years out of them, um, if I remember correctly, I mean, that's just really positive. And again, cohesiveness and chemistry is big on the O-line. And having those three guys that are getting all these reps together throughout the season, preseason, postseason, I mean, it's just it feels good coming in because you know you you feel confident knowing what you're gonna get out of those three and that it's gonna right. be, you know, pretty a pretty high level of success that we're gonna see out of them. Exactly. Now, Tebow here has a question. Uh, I'm trying to get to all your guys' questions. So, so if I haven't got them up, I'll try to find them and put them back up there. But uh, keep them coming. Uh, Tebow says, Parker, what do you think we should do with Jackson Carmen? Is I'm, I'm, I always think of Billy Price. Is there any chance we could <laughs> pull yeah. a trade off like that again? <laughs> yeah, you know, um, you 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 almost hope to see because so week two he had the highest snap count out of everyone in the group, and it wasn't particularly close. He almost played the full game. Um, and you, at this point, I think almost want to hope that they're just doing it so he can get some better film out there for some of these other teams. You know, it's almost like 
hey, I don't know if we're going to keep him around, so let's just let him showcase so we can try to have some leverage in some of these conversations. But then we also know the Bengals really value their own guys. And so you wonder, do they just see the potential and still want to hold on to him because they still see him as that second-round pick kid that they took a shot on, and now they really hope it still has a shot to pan out? Or do they, you know, look around and say, hey, maybe we can spin him? I mean, I think they've done pretty well in the defensive line after that trade that you mentioned earlier, and then – what do they? What do they need? Do they try and um, ship them out for a tight end? Do they ship them out for better line depth? Like you know, there's a lot of, a lot of potential there. I don't think. I mean, it's not worth just cutting him because you're still paying him. He's still on his rookie contract. I mean, you're still owing him that money. So the best option is to trade him if you're not going to keep him. And so I mean, you're hoping to see something out of him, and not in the sense that like, oh, we need this guy to be a solid depth piece or even a contributor for this team, but really just, hey, you know, boost your stock so we can get something for you, so we can really try and, you know, save that second-round pick that we spent. Now, that brings you to the thing we're talking about a little bit off air. Jonah Williams, switching from left to right. Look like he's going to be great. I saw Lyle Collins pushing a sled, looking good on the field. I still think they're going to put him on the pump list. I think they're going to try to keep him for a backup, you know, because, I mean, that's a hell of a backup, right, right tackle, uh, guard, wherever. My question is for next year. Jonah Williams is going to cost a lot of damn money. People, people thought, you know, we, we he, he's getting overpaid for last year. Well, just when he proves he played left or right tackle, he's going to get a big bag. Well, Collins, I don't know if they bring him back or not. Where's the future of right tackle? I mean, I was kind of hoping that this year Jax Carmen would kind of make that leap and go, okay, we can see you build upon what you did in Buffalo, and we're comfortable saying maybe next year you can be a right tackle. I'm I'm not there right now. I mean, I, with Jax Carmen, I'm not there. I am a little worried about what they're going to do with right tackle. I mean, maybe they could keep, I think. Well, I think it's still under contract. I think I'm not really sure. I mean, it might be low yeah. going forward. So, well, I just what's your thoughts at right tackle for I guess future? Yeah, no, and I yeah, definitely, definitely keep in mind that uh, Jonah Williams is a four year starter at left tackle, and now has shown most likely throughout this season that he's going to be a competent swing tackle. So, I mean, that's going to be he's going to get paid. He's probably not going to be in stripes next year, which is you know fine. Um, I I don't I'm not opposed to Collins coming back, especially if he's fully healthy. Um, if he can recover from his multitude of injuries was the knee, the hip, the back. I mean, he sounds like every old guy that you've ever met in your life. Um, so, <laughs> um, so I mean, if he'd come back fully healthy, I am more than, I'm more than happy to let him get that right tackle job, even if it's just for a year or two. Right. Um, but I, I do think they need to try and attack that position and whether maybe that is a Carmen trade and you're bringing a guy that can hold it, hold it down for a few years, or maybe you're just like, Oh, well, we, we know quote unquote that we have Collins, whatever that may mean next year. Maybe let's try and take a swing in the draft. But then, you know, you talk about how maybe the Bengals don't feel confident drafting on the O-lines. Maybe they just want to pay a guy to come in. Maybe there's another free agency acquisition. And that, I mean, it's just – it's up in the air. Um, I don't think we should be worried about putting Collins there. But I do think I would be a little bit worried if we come into, you know, next year's training camp. They didn't really make any moves right. to bolster that position. I do, however, want to say a little shout-out for Deontay Smith, my guy. He's finally healthy. I think he looks really good. He looks good on both sides, and I, Dude. I really feel good about him coming up. I, you know, they picked they picked him as a project guy, yep, yep. and he hasn't really been able to stay healthy. And now I think that project's really starting to fulfill itself, and now we're starting to see some of the fruits of that. And so I wouldn't be opposed to him battling it out for that spot, and maybe getting a cheaper extension because you know he hasn't had a, you know, extensive career here, so we could probably get him for a little cheaper and try and hit on that you know cheap, cheap contract, high quality player. So. That's definitely a possibility that we'll definitely be talking about next year. 
Exactly. Now I love Deontay and, and he's, he's, oh, I love him. He's been on my, been on my show. So of course yeah. I love him. Um, but let's go to the offensive line depth right there with Deontay, Deontay Smith, <clears throat> Jax Carmen, um, and, uh, Akeem Adenogy. Are all three of them going to say, I mean, I think Cody Ford's going to stay because they signed him. So I think Cody Ford Lell are definitely going to say, I think Max Sharping is, is a lock because he played well last year and he, they got him taking lots of snaps at center. Just my thoughts. What, what, what's your thoughts on who are the guys that they might be on the chopping block? Yeah, no, I, I think you, I think you hit it pretty close on the head there where I think Sharping's beat out Hill. I think he's kind of looking like that interior line four backup center type guy. Um, I think Deontay Smith is, in the lead for the swing tackle job, obviously I'm not in the building, so I can't you know promise you anything. But from what I've seen, I think he would have the lead in that competition. I know they do like Adenergy, but he's just shown a lot. And Adenergy's kind of just been the same old Adenergy. I mean, it's not bad, not good. Just kind of giving you what you know you're going to get out of him. There's but more ceiling. Those... Ceiling's bigger for 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 Smith. Than, Correct. Than yeah, he's got. I mean, they have a similar floor, and Smith's just got more potential, in my opinion. I think Adenergy's starting to flatline, which you know every player does once they kind of like just get in the groove of the NFL. So I think right. those three, though, are pretty solid. I think Ford you're looking at is your fourth guy, just because, I mean, we've heard Zach Taylor talk about him. Again, they signed him for more than vet minimum, so obviously right. they like him at least a little bit. So I think everybody yeah, – The whole, the whole go for the right tackle position, I'm like, there's he's not going to go for the right – Well, the, you remember I said, I mean, we're not going to – you're not going to play a guy wearing 61 at right tackle. He's got to <laughs> trade, right. trade someone jerseys <laughs> or something at that point. But I do, yeah. So I think uh, I think those are your four, and then you know using Lyell as your that tenth guy once he comes back healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, so really, everybody outside of that group is going to probably you know be on the block, and that's where I think guys like Ben Brown are really just those really high floor, high potential type guys. Now Ben Brown's been healthy. I think he showed a lot of great things this preseason so far. So I would I don't think he's like a risk if you cut him and he hits the wire. I think he's going to come right back to Cincinnati. I think Kirkland's another guy that's going to be on that practice squad. I think we've all been kind of underwhelmed by his, you know, performance this preseason. However, I will – I do want to do a little plug for Gilliam. No one's really talking about Nate Gilliam, but he's he's looked really good this preseason. And honestly, I think as, as far as your interior guys go, that's really a lot – most of what they have that isn't going to make this roster for sure. You're looking at Brown, Gilliam, and Kirkland. Those are guys that are probably going to be Bengals for a while. And they have a lot of potential. Let's just see if we can get out of them. So, you know, like, but that's where I think we're at right now with the with the wine room. Now, Michael here says, and I didn't don't even know he had one. He said, "How bad is Ford's concussion?" Yeah. So, yeah, I learned about that this morning. Um, I don't. I yeah, I didn't even hear about that again until this morning. Um, but if he's got a concussion, I mean, if they found it today, I don't know how that worked. I don't know how we didn't hear about it over the weekend. Um, but. I mean, if they diagnosed it on Friday, he should be able to get back going at least on Thursday if he makes right. it through protocol pretty clean. Um, again, if they you know found it, whatever that would mean this morning, then he's probably out this week. But again, I don't think, I yeah, I think he's on the. Which I remember, right. I saw him. I, I don't think I, I, don't, I, I didn't see him out there. I mean, yeah, I, I got to reach yeah, out to a couple guys. I totally forgot about hearing about that this morning, so I got to reach out to a couple guys and see if I can. I didn't. I need to hear about it till now. I'm like, he's got a concussion. I didn't know that. Yeah. Can't can't hear everything. I don't know. All right, uh, let's see here. Uh, wait, I had one sweet had something about serious. X- oh, here it's Tom. I'm gonna read this one. Uh, XM Radio said that the Bengals were going to start slow because they are not playing starters in the preseason. The rest of the AFC North is way ahead of them, according to Charlie Weiss. Uh, Charlie Weiss is a blowhard. <laughs> uh, he says a lot of a lot of stuff. Um, yeah. 
I said, I'll, I'll put it this way, Parker. I said this. I've seen a more, more intensity out of the practices. They've been in pads way more than they've ever been in pads in any other uh, training camp for Zach Taylor. Mm-hmm. So, and, and let's let's be honest, they get more. I think they get more done at, at practice than they do. I mean, the game helps with the game speed and actually hitting yeah. and all that stuff. But as far as getting yourself ready to play, training camp and practice is probably better than the actual games. I think. Yeah, and and that's where it's like you have the debate of like the the Bengals are dealing with a very high quality defense right now. So like the sure. rep, the reps they're getting in practice aren't like the reps the Texans are getting in practice, <laughs> like the Cardinals are getting in practice. Like they're getting some pretty high quality reps out there just on the practice field. And like where everyone I know, I think it's more of a I don't think people are, are as legitimately concerned as they're coming off that they you know really want to see this offense out there. I know that. There's a bunch of talk about the slow start last year. Um, but I think it's more just excitement of seeing this new group out there. And I was like, oh, well, they need, they need the reps. So they need the reps. So that's that's how they'll get out there. So, yeah. But I, I think they're going to be fine. I mean, you got to remember how, how much time these guys are spending together on the practice field, getting reps together. I mean, they're building that chemistry. I know it's not the same as live reps. But you also have, I mean, four very seasoned NFL O-linemen in this room. Cordell Volson's really the only guy that, if any, I'd be worried about getting those preseason reps. But again, when you're surrounded by, you know, experience like this, I mean, think about how many Super Bowl rings are on this line right now. I'm not really concerned about them getting off to a slow start. Like, I, I think it's going to be just fine. They they know how they work together. They've been very healthy through the preseason. I think we're going to be just fine. I'm not really worried about them getting their early reps. Absolutely. Not. And I think it's every, the way the, the slow start last year was – Again, I think hindsight, the offense line should have started some, some at least a, a series or two last year. And Joe Burrow, jackpot, lost 30 pounds. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I never that. I'm like, he has the appendix cut out of him. So, I mean, he, and, and, and then, but then the thing is, people go back to going, well, remember what happened last year? I mean, he, he's got a, a strained calf now. I'm like, it's a freaking strained calf. He'll be fine. He's not losing 30 pounds. He looks exactly the same as he did when I, when I was calling him jackpot, Joe. He said a jackpot, Joe, because he was jacked. I mean, I, I just – the people the Bengals Nation need to calm down sometimes when it comes to, 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 to these things. Like, well, there is to freak out about. There's some things not to freak out about. And it's funny because people are acting like he lost his leg. Like, I mean, he did not get his knee down amputated. He's going to be just fine. Right. He's going to be all right. And that's why I, I, I learned very quickly, you know, last year was kind of my first year trying to – Jump on the the Twitter train, you know. Back then, it's X now. You gotta gotta be. Careful. Yeah, X. I, I tell, <laughs> do you do you send an X out? Or I mean, I don't it's know. a post. It's all posts now. You gotta yeah, repost. Yeah, that's Facebook. It's a post. <laughs> oh yeah. I don't know. I'll just whatever. But when I uh, when I did my first foray out into the Twitterverse last year, you know, I uh, I learned very quickly after week one because I, I put a lot of tweets out there about you know how Joe Burrow was doing this and that, and that was kind of impacting the O line. It wasn't necessarily the O line struggling week one. It was more a, you had a rookie playing against – you had an FCS fourth-round rookie against, you know, Cam Hayward. Yeah. And then you had Highsmith and TJ Watt. That's a pretty good D-line. I think yeah. they looked fine. I think they yeah. looked fine. But then you also had Joe Burrow, who you know probably didn't feel 100% after he the afternoon. He took five interceptions. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was holding the ball a long time, and when he wasn't holding the ball a long time, he was giving it to the guys in black and yellow. It was kind of – I wouldn't say you can – you blame the O-line for the slow start. 
I mean, there was scheme issues. There was Joe Burrow getting back to his groove after like actually legitimately missing an offseason, unlike he's doing this year, even though he's not at camp. He's not missing the offseason. He's doing just fine. So and I think that's a great that is a great point where the preseason is all about just getting through it healthy and getting to week one with everybody you like can have. And that's where yeah. look at all the injuries. I mean, this team's even sustained some small injuries, but like look around the league. Like, you know, I, are you not happy about this preseason? Like, I think I, I'm feeling pretty good. That's what I kind of said. I'm like, this preseason, they've actually for content creators, it's there hasn't been a whole lot to talk about. <laughs> I yeah. mean, really, I mean. I've talked about Joe Burrow's calf 900 freaking times. It's he's going to be fine. I mean, you know, I mean, you can talk about the backup running back and Travion Williams who injured his ankle. I mean, that's if you're a Bengals fan, which I am, no news is great in the preseason. Yep. That's what you want. If you're a content creator like me, you don't want that, but <laughs> I'll take it. So, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm fine with it. It's funny because, you know, it was my first offseason, like my first full offseason trying to, you know, be like a content creator, whatever that means nowadays. And so I was like, wow, this really sucks. Cause what the hell am I supposed to talk about? Not only have I like settled myself into this niche of less like O-line talk, but like <laughs> we got Orlando Brown and that was super fun, but people got really tired of the Orlando Brown talk, you know, after a little bit. And so now we've get into this really quiet off season, but honestly what you're looking for out of any professional sports team is to only hear about them during the season. Right. Because typically the things you hear outside of the season, you know, outside of contracts and stuff, that it's usually negative. So the less news you hear about your team, you're usually in a pretty good spot. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, I get the T-Boys question here. Uh, Parker, do you see LC taking that job from Jonah when he comes back if Jonah is doing just okay? Like not the best in the league at right tackle, but also not the worst. Just, just what if? Yeah, no, I, uh, I I get this question a lot, and I think people people keep trying to phrase it in a way that's going to get me to say yes, and it's never going to be a yes because <laughs> if you get midseason and the hey, guy Parker Blake loves Jonah Williams, all right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm a sympathizer. You can't you can't flip me. I'm not going to flip. But if you get partway through the season and he has not been, you know, a cuttable like player out there, right? There's no reason to pull him out of the equation, right? Because all you do is you – A, Jonah Williams has been getting in a groove since the beginning of training camp with this unit. You know, he's been getting a feel for how Kappa works, for how the new scheme works, for how he can work around these the protections they're running with Joe Burrow behind him, without Joe Burrow behind him, seeing different stuff from the defense. You know, it's all about getting in a rhythm and in a groove. And people don't understand, like, that's not just like a week-to-week or drive-to-drive groove or getting in hot during a game. It's – that groove starts at the beginning of camp and you want to like get that chemistry, get in a rhythm, get used to how everything's flowing, how everything feels. And that way, when you, once you get to the week fives, the week tens, the week seventeens, you feel good. And like, you feel like you're moving well, everything feels right. And when it doesn't feel right, you're aware of it. And if you're pulling Joan out of that equation, you're putting in a Lyell that, I mean, hasn't gotten literally any reps up to this point at all with the team. None. I mean, that's when you start worrying about the slow start is when you're throwing a guy in, you know, weak, just 100% cold, just hoping like he hoping it lands, you know, so. Yeah, like, no, I, he's not this, taking the job. <laughs> I said this lots of times because uh, Dave Lapham, he says this a million times, and I always say he's forgot more about offensive line play than I'll ever know. But he says offensive line is like a fist. You know, they all got to be moving in the same direction. You got to know what the other guy's doing without looking at him or whatever. You got to step in the same. It's 
you know, they got to be in coordination. Their, their feet got to move the same way because they don't get twisted up or not the same way, but you know, mm-hmm. in, in, in coordination with each other is the way, way I'm trying to put it. And that takes time. That takes reps. That takes years of, of playing together. That's why the interior three guys, that's why I'm really happy. They had a whole yeah. year together yeah. and you got, jo- and then you just got to get Jonah who's played with them, but it's switched aside. So it's, it is different. And you got, you got like Cordell, or uh, Orlando Brown, who is just as solid as it can get. He's a four-time pro bowler at two different left and right tackle. So, I mean, I, I'm not that worried about it, but that's that is the thing is like it, the offensive line is not something like you said. It's not something where you want to pull somebody out and put somebody back in and move this guy around. No, you want to keep the same five guys out there every all 17 weeks. Yeah, it's not like your receiving core. It's not like your D line where you're getting guys. You know, you you want to have nine plus guys with 250 snaps throughout the year. You want to have five guys with all of the snaps throughout the season. Like that's that's what you want, and then. Yeah. When you look at these receivers, I mean, you got guys rotating like every play. You got guys taking a playoff here, a playoff there, just to you know get some air because they're running, they're running these deep routes, they're making these big plays. But the O line, you, it's like it's a machine, man. You just gotta, you just gotta grind away, and it's about consistency and chemistry, and consistency and chemistry, and it's, it's a very boring position from a high level because you're not gonna see a lot of rotation, you're not gonna see a lot of variance, you're gonna see. This the same guys doing the same thing. That's why I love that Frank Pollock said, you know, it's about being a master of the mundane. You know, it's, yeah, it it's not about making these flash plays or these big splash highlights. It's just executing your job at an average to above average level over and over and over and over and over again. Yeah, I mean, like, like I've since we had such trouble with the offense line, I've paid a lot more attention than I ever did before. And I, it's when I go to practice up on the bridge, even when I'm down on the field, they're always in the corner. So it's mm-hmm. kind of hard to see, but I will try to, you know, pay attention to them. It's boring, dude. You you, you got to love freaking football, love football to be an man. offensive lineman. You've got – and to be good at it, you've got to freaking eat, sleep, drink football. Because honestly, it, all you're doing is you're banging into a guy over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And then when you're you're practicing it, you're practicing steps, step left, step right, whatever. And then you're banging into another guy. I mean – it's the same thing over and it is Monday over and over and over again. I'm like, you like you've got to be a different kind of screw loose up here to, to, to like that. I mean, to be honest, because it's not, it's definitely not a glamorous position. I mean, mm-hmm. it's going to be more of a glamorous position here at Cincinnati because our offensive line stuck for so long, and we are dying to have a really good offensive line. That's why Orlando Brown and Ted Karras are you know such well known uh, guys players here as far as Cincinnati goes, but yeah, it's, it's definitely not for the faint of heart to, to be an offensive lineman. It's, it's, it's ridiculously boring and grinding and grinding and grinding. <laughs> yeah, no. And everyone talks about how football is a game of inches. You know, it's about that, you know, inch that they didn't spot the ball or it's about getting that heel into the end zone instead of on the sideline, or it's about putting your toe down the right way in the end zone to get the touchdown. But if you look at like, that's the thing about offensive line. It's, it's not only just, the game of inches and, you know, just did my hand miss an inch too far to the left or did I get my hand a little too far out to the right? Now I got a 10 yard penalty. My coach is screaming at me, but it's like, it's a very physically tolling position. Cause even compared to D line, like if you look at it in pass protection, like the D lines, the, the hammer, yeah, and you're just trying to, you're just trying to protect yourself. You're, you're backing up. Line. You're playing defense all the time. Yeah. Defense gets to go be aggressive and go after you. are like, yeah, they're just, they're just coming at you trying to make you lose. And like, really, <laughs> even in the run game, like you might be the aggressor, but so are they like, you're not, you're never in a position where like you're the sole aggressor on a play. Like it's a very physically tolling position. And it's about, again, just doing the same thing over and over and over again. That's why, I mean, if you go and watch 
Online practices are hilarious. I run my own, so I know, and I've been through my own, so I know. But it's just funny because it's like your coach will yell at you. I yell at my guys about getting your step, you know, hey, no, this is supposed to be an inch to the right, not, you know, where it is now. You got to make this six inches. This is a foot. Like your, your split's like an inch too tight. You're a little too wide. Like it's just all the nuance to it. And that's why I love it so much, man, because it's just like <laughs> – I, I'm just, I just, it's like, if you love football, just you yeah. got to learn the O-line because I mean, when you're watching it, it's like, once you start to figure out the little pieces that go into it, you realize, A, there is no such thing as a good O-lineman. They're all awful in their own right. And it's, that's the best part to watch. But B, it's fun to watch like stuff come together. And especially with these developmental guys, like watching Cordell Volson's college film, his week one last year to how he looked in the AFC championship, like, it was fun watching that progression, and that's why I talked about a lot this offseason coming into camp, especially now going into week one, where it's fun seeing what, like, I hope to see these guys improve on, just knowing, you know, from that coaching perspective of, like, okay, if I had this body of work from last season, what were my what would have been my coaching points for these guys, and what, what do I want to see from them? And then seeing them come out in camp and, like, oh, wow, he's improved in that area, or, wow, look, he's really – attack that oh he's doing this a lot better i didn't even notice that last season but now that already looks a ton better it's like there's so many different little pieces and it's stuff that no one really gives a shit about and that's the right. best part to me i think it's hilarious <laughs> it's all the stuff you can geek out on everybody's like what <laughs> now only i do want to talk about when we talk about the how you said that they're going against a really good defense mm-hmm. trey henderson has been the most dominant player i think at practice at training camp i mean he he is playing at another another level this year and that gets him excited because he's playing so well plus we have guys who can give him more breaks this year than last year because I, I really do think toward the end of the season him and sam really got wore down because trey has no they have no off button him, him him and sam don't know how to turn it off i mean because trust me <laughs> i've seen trey at practice before and uh I mean, hey, what's up, Trey? And if he's in the mindset, he's like, oh, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> like, all right, uh, that's black out Trey. My bad, then, my bad. Yeah, my bad. I'm sorry. <laughs> and then other times, like today, I asked him, I was like, hey, he's, he, he was walking out. I said, like, hey, Trey, you want to come on a podcast? And he smiled. He goes, no, not really. He goes, that's not really my thing. Thanks for the offer. So there's two sides to Trey. There's psycho Trey. There's normal Trey. I like psycho Trey on the field. And he's been playing unfreaking believable And that's all that's going to do is help Orlando Brown get even better. Well, and I feel like hasn't it been fun to have like now over a month straight, it feels like, of just blackout Trey? Like, <laughs> we have not seen like Trey really just, you know, being loose and trying to work on just, you know, the fundies and just working through a practice and trying to like he's going to the wall every play. And that's why I think it's so important and why everyone harped on not only the D line depth, but you know, you're in a good situation when you're begging for your best defensive lineman to get less snaps. Like, you're like, no, please come off the field. So when you're back out there, you're at 110% every freaking play, bro. Like, take a break and then go out there and just go ball to the wall. And that's where I feel like I'm so excited to see. Like, I feel like he can have another, you know, 10-plus sack season. Like, it's going to be – I'm super excited to that's, see it. That's kind of was my point. I really do think this could be an all-pro, pro bowl season for him. He, and the thing is – the reason the biggest well, he's playing well, but they they can give him more, give him less snaps, which I think yeah. will help him in the long run to help us in the long run. Once we get to the AFC Championship game and Super Bowl and all that stuff, you know, so yeah, he has more more of his legs under him than he than he had last year. And just this this defensive line, I'm really excited 
Uh, Miles Murphy was back at camp today. I guess he was sick, so I know he didn't make no. the trip to 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 uh, Atlanta, and he he wasn't at practice Thursday. But to see the four guys the, I, in the rotation or all four at the same time, Osai, Trey, Hubbard, and 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 Murphy, I'm excited as hell to see those guys. I, I want to see what they can do. And, and Parker, I think we got a shot of actually getting the quarterback to the ground more than we did last year. Joseph Osai is looking – he's another one that's looking really good at, at training camp. Yeah, no, and I I talk about this a little bit this offseason, but I, I think it's a little it's a little more nuanced than I think a lot of people, you know, care to hear. Um, but when you're having the pressure numbers that the Bengals had last year with the lack of production, I think you can, you can attribute a lot of that to just, like, fatigue. Like, yeah. I mean, when you're late in the game and you've been playing the entire freaking game, like – you're not going to have the energy to, you know, finish those plays that maybe it is just like that. You're an inch off. You're a couple inches off. You're just a foot off. You just got to get that hand through. Maybe it's just finishing that move a little harder. Whereas if you can get these guys less reps on the front end, and then that gives you now you're bringing in these fresh bodies like Osai, like Murphy, like Carter, like anybody. Like I talked about so much the last couple weeks, I feel like how this second string Bengals D line, this second four, is probably a starting defensive line at multiple NFL teams right now. And they're very young and they're hungry. And I don't think we talked enough about last year, how young they were. And that probably contributed to them not getting a large percentage of snaps. However, this year, you're now going to have these guys that are at least a year or maybe even two, or there are more vets that are been in the league. They've shaped their bodies. They've, you know, felt the speed of the game. They've been working with a great D line coach that the Bengals have and hobby. And it's, I just there's gonna be it's gonna be exciting, man. I just I I just like you can't understate this is probably peak Trey. Like we're we've been experiencing yeah, right. peak right. Trey Hendrickson and just appreciate it while we have it. That's all I gotta say. Exactly. And Zach Carter, I, I think he's gonna have well, they need him to have a big year. I think he's looked pretty good uh in training camp so far, too. Because my worry now, James Rapine, your boy from uh, SI and and uh sure. Bengals talk was live last night. So I asked him, I said, uh, well, a long one. I was making fun of how short he is. He's only 5'9". He's, he's, he's a little guy. He's a little guy. He's, only, he's only a little guy. He's just, That's why he loves the receivers. That's all he can play. I know. And he's like, he's like, he's like, oh, you guys can't cover me. I'm like, I can cover you. I'll just knock you down. <laughs> well, but, I'll jam but, you all day. <laughs> exactly. I got you, bro. But um, the uh, oh, what was it? my point? I was going to that. Anyway, sorry, man. Talk about um, talking about um. Uh, James Green, I forgot. Oh, um, no, I totally forgot. I'm gonna have to go to a different subject. I completely forgot what I was gonna Zach say. Zach Carter, what do you feel? What do you feel about Zach Carter, Rice? Oh, Zach Carter, I think he's actually done pretty good. Oh, I know what it was. I, I got thank you. So, I asked um, James last night. I am my boy DJ Reader. I love DJ Reader, he is my favorite defensive player. I, I, I love that dude. I think he makes such a, a big impact. And I asked James, Do you think that they're gonna sign him? And he kind of hinted at that he does, doesn't. He said he, he could see it. Maybe what happened with Pratt, you know, maybe they, they they come at the end of the season. Maybe they come through or something. I'm worried to death. Now, I'm talking about next year because DJ's going to be here this year. Zach Carter's going to have to step up if, if, if DJ's gone next year is all I'm saying. Yeah, but I, I think from what I've heard, he's looking pretty good. And I don't think we need we should sleep on the fact that the Bengals have a good history of finding these defensive tackles, these nose tackles, that ended up having pretty solid careers in Cincinnati. I don't remember if you remember the last one that we had. I don't remember his name exactly. I think he wore a similar number maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I can't remember. 90, was it um, 97? 
Could have been. Oh, could have been ninety-seven. Oh, I, actually, I got a shoe over there. It, it's Mike Eversall. Let me win it. It's it's over there. Shout but, out to uh, him. I don't know if I'd worry about that position as much. Um, we've. I mean, there's been conversation about there's not that much of a drop off, um, as soon for these older nose tackles. But I, I'm honestly not worried about the Bengals finding another because that's just another position, like the rest of the D linemen, that they've shown that they can be very efficient in finding whether it's free agency or the draft. And I. Whether they retain him or not, I know we all love DJ Raider. We all love Gino. Like, I mean, we're going to love the next guy. I can already tell. So I'm not really too concerned, but I really I am excited to see Zach Carter jump off the screen this year, man. I really uh, I like to see him too. We're going to need him too. Now, I want to get to this tweet you put out uh, about uh, Jonathan Taylor with the Colts. Uh, he, they let him uh, say he, he can, you know, try to find his own trade, which is awful, <laughs> awful late in the game <laughs> to, yeah, uh... to start doing this now. <laughs> like, we were what three weeks away from the start of the uh, the season, but uh, I and I retweeted it and people, I guess, thought we. I was saying that the Bengals draft. Like I didn't say anything. I'm like, they yeah. they trade for him. But well, what's your what's your thoughts on where he he might go? I mean, and are they going to give a first round for him? I mean, I don't know. Yeah, and I I I, I really thought I really tried so hard to not use my Bengals goggles line again and just be like, <laughs> hey, like. Put yourself in the perspective of a team that could use a guy like this. What would you give up for it? And then everyone's like, oh, well, the Bengals don't need a guy. I'm aware that the Bengals don't need Jonathan Taylor. That's not what you were saying. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, no, I – there's a lot of good spots. I mean, it was the Jets until they got Dalvin. I really like his fit with New England. I talked a little bit about that on Twitter today. Um. And I, I think that'd be his best spot. I know there's been conversation about how he really go, he fit well in Tampa, but they need to retain the receiver still. I don't know if they have you know the cap to move around that. I'm not. I don't know the league wide yeah. cap situation off the top of my head. I, I think they're in cap hell. I think. Just yeah, like, I, I'm, I'm not sure. The NFC South is in cap hell. I mean, that's just kind of where they all live. Right. Um, I mean, those are my options. I mean, I mean, I guess you could look at a team like Carolina. You got, but I, I really think. If he can end up with the Patriots, I think that'd be a perfect situation for him. And I honestly, I'm excited to watch this Patriots O line for the next few years because I think they're really primed to go into a run of really peak O line play. And I think he would fit the scheme really nicely. I think the Patriots are really looking to take the ball out of Mac Jones' hands. You know, they want to, I think having a guy that could be a really good receiving and rushing threat and take reps away from Mac having to throw the ball would be very beneficial for them over there. Mm-hmm. So I, I, that's where I would like to see him go. I think it's the best fit. They have the money to make it work, but you know, we'll we all know that teams don't want to pay running backs, and that they don't think they're worth anything. So we'll yeah, see. Yeah, that's also is 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 there an NFL team out there that's willing to give a, a first round pick for him? And, and that's where I think. I mean, I think your best option as the Colts. And again, they're not really seeking it out, and there's people saying that you know the Colts aren't going to let him go no matter what they get because a. Again, this is another situation just like, you know, we experienced a little bit ago. I don't know if any of you remember that. But <laughs> the team has to accept the trade. He's not a free agent. He is right. on the Colts. Yeah, he the has no say-so. To- he literally has no say-so where he goes. Correct. The team would have to accept the trade. And the, I mean, he can work the deal all he wants, but the team would stop to accept it. And if, if they're just like, you know, all we're taking, it's a first-round pick or nothing. Because, I mean, I would be like, oh, well, I think two – you know, day two picks, like a second and a third, is really good value for both sides because I don't think people would be opposed to trading up out of the third into the second to get a guy like JT. That's kind of what that value would equate to. Again, I don't know what kind of money he's looking for. I'm sure 
part of his deal would be I'm looking for an extension. So if you trade for me, you're also extending me, yada, yada, yada. There's a lot of this, you know, back and forth conversation that gets really boring once you get into it really deep. But I, I think that's that would be the, I want him to go to the Pats because I think it'd be fun. I think he's worth two day two picks and we'll see where we go. Because honestly, he's going to be a Colt this year. And that's my prediction. Uh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm like, it's awful late in the season to be trying yeah. to, okay, yeah, you can seek a trade out now. I'm like, dude, we're less than, you know, three weeks away from the season start. So, I mean, we'll uh, see what happens, you know, when we get to August 29th. Um, when we get, you know, we got thousands of players hitting the market. Maybe someone tries to make a move. We're like, oh, crap, we got, we got nothing out of here. Right. But I, yeah, it's, it's late. It's late. Now, Holmes here says, then uh, <clears throat> this has been a question last couple of years. Uh, do you think Frank Pollock is on the hot seat if the O line doesn't step up this season? I there's been so much conversation about this and I don't know what you guys want from Frank. Frank can only do so much. And like, if you look at the talent, the Bengals have brought in prior to last year, you know, before we brought in started paying some of these old line guys, it wasn't like they were giving them all this first round talent. I mean, they gave him Jonah, Jonah. (laughs) Yeah. That's it. it. Yeah. Everyone else is like, you know, it's a vet that's coming down on his career. It's a undrafted free agent. It's a late round pick. It's this, that, I mean, even Volson who's probably the best developmental project that he's had besides Deontay Smith, who couldn't stay healthy. No fault of Frank's. Right. Um, But Volson's look pretty good. And everyone's talking about how they don't think Frank can develop guys. And I'm like, if you look at the guys that we've fielded on this line the last couple of years when he's been here, I mean, he's done a great job of making guys – because think about it. They leave the Bengals. They're not on a team. Right. If Frank put a line on, in the Super Bowl that, okay, they might not have been the best line. but They, they still were, were there. They were a serviceable starting line in the biggest game of the year. And we should have won. How many of those guys are still on a team right now? Like, I don't know why there's hate for Frank right now. I just don't understand well, that's the thing. That's a good point. You just said who from that offensive line to start of the Super Bowl, who's left? Jonah. That's it. You got Jonah and Carmen, and you got a Denji. Oh, yeah. Well, I meant so Carmen. He's honestly almost on the bubble himself. Yeah, I, I meant that would start. I, who's yeah, starting? Well, I, agree. I, I guess what I was what I was more saying. But yeah, I'm like, I, I love Frank Pollock. I, I you know, and like you said, there's only so much you can do if you aren't given the talent. I mean, talent makes coaches look great. I mean, look. I think Zach Taylor is a great head coach. Jackpot Joey makes him look like a Hall of Fame head coach. Okay. Yeah, I mean, Joe Burrow is going to win Brian Callahan a coaching job if, yeah. if anybody wins him a coaching job. I mean, look at, look, I mean, look at the quarterbacks coach last year. Quarterbacks coach is getting offers for job positions. And like, has he really done a lot? I mean, you don't know what he did on behind the scenes. Right. But is he getting those offers with Andy Dalton back there, with Carson Palmer back there? Like, is he, is he getting these other places without like a guy like Joe Burrow? And that's where it's like people are talking about, well, well, Frank's not getting the job done. That's why they have to pay all this shell, all this money out for all these new O-line guys that just bring in the talent. They can't develop the talent. And I'm like, no, they just care about their franchise quarterback. So they're going to bring in some guys they feel confident putting up there. And they're going to say, hey, Frank, make make four-time Pro Bowl Orlando Brown, four-time All-Pro Orlando Brown. Right. You know, like that's where, yeah, I just, I don't get it. I think he's doing a great job. I, I had my own concerns at the beginning of last year just because I didn't really see some of the development I was looking for outside of Olsen. And as through as the season went, there was a couple of games where I was like, are we even game planning for this? Like, what are we doing to prepare for this? But, I mean, the second the scheme switched, it really looked like they committed to it, they leaned into it, and they really just went all in. And they looked really good coming together. And you guys can't say through that 10-game win streak, even through the injuries they had, they struggled. Awesome. 
It's yeah, awesome. That ten that ten game win streak. Our Joe had all kinds of time. I mean, we we had uh, we we had more. Well, we had ten games in a row. I mean, that was the whole start of 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 the offense like, coming together. I mean, that that was the reason I think that we played so well because of the offense line played played so good because. There were holes to run through. Now, if Mixon hit him or not, Samarja hit him. You know, or Samarja. I can't ever say his freaking name right. I always say it. I mean, Samarja closed his eyes and run through a brick wall. So, I mean. <laughs> that's, that's true. That is true. Uh, I'll see. What's up? Fry, fry bologna here is blowing it up here. Let's see. If they cared about Joe, they draft off of his line that says D-line D and safeties that they don't need. I mean, they're paying. They're paying they, all. They line. they signed Orlando Brown. What they got they got Ted Karras and Alex Kappa that are Super Bowl winners. They drafted Wilson to appease you, and they have first round pick Jonah Williams and four time Pro Bowl Orlando Brown. I don't know what more you want. Right? Yeah. I, I, I will say I am on team draft the line every year. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with that too. I, I think no matter what one. team, the Eagles should draft O line every year, and yeah. they did. If you if you pay attention. So I mean I I do agree with that point, but I mean if you look at the you have, we have a quarterback with I mean now that Tom Brady's gone probably the fastest time to throw yeah. in the entire football league, and now we're gonna give him extra time in the pocket so he can now start dissecting the I mean we've talked about Joe Burrow dissecting defenses up to this point. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine what he's gonna look like with eight plus seconds in the freaking pocket? Ooh! Like we're gonna we're gonna cook some teams. And that's only the passing game, man. That's only the passing game. Exactly. <laughs> Dude, I, I can't. This camp is taking forever. I wish it hurry. Isn't that awful? Isn't oh my this god! Horrible? I want the season to start already. I'm like we had three freaking weeks. Like I was looking at it like that camp. They look at like okay, this is the last preseason game. I'm going, holy crap! The game first game is on September 10th. I'm like, damn it! Isn't that crazy? How we got we have the last football game we're gonna see until mid September this week. Like what the hell are they doing in those two weeks? What are they doing here, guys? Let's just match this together and get going. I'm Let's ready to go. go. Let's go start this thing already. <laughs> at least give me a fourth preseason week back. Come on, man. Well, listen, we got we got, we got a week zero for college uh, football. Yeah, we got some college football rolling up. So that, that'll that'll help me out a little bit. Anyway, Parker, I you've been out for fifty three minutes. I appreciate. it. Tell everybody about the, to go follow you. Find you guys on Chatterbark Box after the games because you're gonna mm-hmm. be doing something cool there, right? Yes, sir. So Chatterbox Sports, um, we got hooked up with them. It's me, uh, just Eric from Twitter, and then Game on J Money. And what we're doing is there'll be two of us a week um, doing a little we'll, – we'll come in live uh, partway through, like near the end of the fourth quarter and give some live reactions, watch the game with you guys. You know, and we have, we're going to have a live chat through the whole stream. So shoot your questions, your reactions, what you want to see, what you think we're not seeing, you know, whatever you might think. And then after the game ends, we'll go immediately into a post-game show for about an hour, just talking about what we saw, what we want to see, what, you know, Pros, cons, good, bad, ugly, awesome, terrible, whatever you want to talk about. We'll do the highlights from the game. We'll have some clips thrown in there from the game. And you're really just, you know, breaking down what we saw. And I think it's just going to be great. It's going to be fun. It's going to be three, you know, I think we have three good personalities, minus myself, obviously, because I'm <laughs> because I like watching Go, your pancake. Come on now. <laughs> but uh, it'll be good. And like, like I said, I mean, it, it'll be every game, post game. We'll come in live in the fourth quarter. So just find them on YouTube. At Chatterbox Sports, and uh, you know, we'll be there. Sounds like a lot of fun. You also you got an article you just put out for uh, for our yeah, James. yeah. So I'm writing, writing for all Bengals. Uh, thanks to James Rapine. So shout out to him. Um, even though he's so, he's a little guy. Yeah, shout shout down to him. 
Um, but yeah, so I, I'm putting out my plan this year and I'm, I'm going to try to start it this week. Um, but I put out an article after preseason week one, just kind of takeaways, what I want to see. And then this week I put out an article, I think it came out today, um, about, you know, just my takeaways from week two, what I saw, you know, the Jonah Williams, Jackson Carmen, I, that's, I think officially done, done, you know, you know, some of us said it was done, you know, months ago. Um, and then kind of what I, what I saw from some of these other depth guys and what I'm hoping to see. And then, you know, after I round up my all 22, I'm going to put out, you know, a full mic talking about some of my grades and what I saw from that angle. And what I, again, what I'm hoping to see out of this final preseason game. And then what I'm seeing, you know, depth wise, who they might keep, you know, all, all the good old line stuff that everyone wants to hear about all the time because our old line is oh, the best ever. Duh. It's awesome. Anyway, Parker, I appreciate you coming on. I, I like I said, I will be – well, actually, Cleveland, I'll, I'll probably try to, to watch because I'll be – we're, we're going to be at RJ Cinemas unless I go to the game. But right now I'm not going to the game. We're probably going to be RJ Cinemas watching the watching the game. And all the way home, I'll, I'll pop, pop you on the on the YouTube. And uh, you know, sure. I have to, uh, we'll be cheering because we're going to we're gonna stomp the brownies. I'm, I'm oh, yeah. Not. It's not going to be competitive. I just got a feeling we're going to come out and they're just going to shut everybody up the first first week, especially shut. It almost feels like that lead up to the Bills game last, you know, where it was just like we feel good, like this, like we're going to come into this game and it's like it's a tone setter, and I think it's going to be a lot better than zero and two. I think it's going to be like a holy crap, that was a divisional game and that was easy. That's that's what I think. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. I look at stuff through orange colored sunglasses a lot, but. That's what I'm calling. I think it, I think it's gonna be a, a butt whooping for the Browns. Anyway, Parker, appreciate you, man. Go follow Parker, Parker Blake, uh, sixty. Go find him on Chatterbox. Go read his articles, and uh, yeah, go eat some pancakes, would you, Parker? Yeah, appreciate it, Phil. <laughs> See you, bud. Who day? All right, guys. Hope you appreciate that as much as I did. Parker is awesome. He's a good dude. I met him last year. As soon as I saw him, I ran across the parking lot, gave him a big old, big old sweaty man hug. I mean, it wasn't sweaty. It was kind of cold. But anyway, give a big old hug. He's a good dude. I like Parker a lot. So go follow him on Twitter. Go find his articles and go watch him. My boy, Eric and G Money on Chatterbox. Let's get to the Facebook groups that let me live stream. And as always, I appreciate every single one of them. They're Hootay Nation, Hootay Legion, Bearcat Ruckus, Radical Reds, the Ohio State Buttnuts, the Ice Bar. Then, of course, you can follow me on all my social media platforms, all under Sports with Strawberry Ice. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or X, whatever you want to call it. Uh, TikTok and threads, Twitter or X is at Jeff A. Trenopolo. TikTok is TikTok is at Iceman90. I'll be pulling off the sound later on tonight. So if you missed any of the stuff that Parker said or anything that I said, check it out on the podcast. We have Bean Pod, Apple iTunes, Spotify, Google, Stitcher Play, pretty much wherever you get your podcast. Please make sure you rate, like, and review. Leave a comment so more Cincinnati fans can find my podcast. YouTubers, you guys are awesome. We're up to 2,327 subscribers. As always, I appreciate every single one of you guys. Now, I did do a video now i hope it's going to it's supposed to drop at 6 a.m tomorrow so hope by the time you guys get up you can watch it uh it was my takeaways from today's practice um i hope you guys like it i hope it plays <laughs> i'm not real sure if it's going to or not i think it's going to but make sure you guys go check that out make sure you uh like subscribe and share tell your friends about sports strawberry ice all the support and everything i couldn't do any of this stuff without you guys so i appreciate you guys no Reds game. They're all rained out, so I don't know what we're going to watch. we have to find something to watch. Anyway, other than that, you guys have a wonderful day. I got Trags on tomorrow. Trags is a good dude. See you tomorrow. That's your sports, baby. See ya!